I'm sorry I don't have the pew, the pew Bible number of the page, but just think of it, it's the very beginning and the very end of the book. First, Genesis 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And now to the end of the book. Revelation, chapter 22, verses 12 and 13, and then verse 17. Behold, I am coming soon. My reward is with me, and I will give to everyone according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And verse 17, the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him who hears say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come, and whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. This is the word of the God. Dr. Ham is exactly correct, and that's why I asked him to read these passages. It's the beginning and the end. It's all his story from Genesis to Revelation, from the Garden of Eden to the Garden Without Any Curse, which you find on the last page of Revelation. From creation to consummation, it is his story. He is the author of it all. We'll get back to that, but I want to show you the logo and the theme for this year. Steve, you can put that up there. It's all his. I know I'm going to sound like some you know, Pentecostal preacher, but say that with me now. It's all his. It's all his. Say it one more time, brothers and sisters. It's all his. And indeed it is. And it's very interesting. We talked about this a lot amongst ourselves as a staff, but then we relied on a lot of you, a lot of lay leadership. And we all got together and talked about this. And, and we want to make sure you realize we're not just talking about it's all his money. <laughs> it's not a theme of stewardship only, or I should say it's not just stewardship of funding, though that'll be you know, part of it. But the more we talked about it, we need to be better stewards of a, a different facets of our walk with Christ. So you'll see we have a uh, four-sided star there, which is kind of cool. We came up with four specific areas after all of this dialogue, all this conversation toward the latter part of this past year. And I don't know if you can see it up there. You'll be able to see it in the logo probably in your bulletin, but it's all his. If you see within the four sides of the star, you see it says it's his story, his time, his assets, and his resources. Can you see that in the logo in the bulletin? Okay. We decided it's all four of those, and that's why it's a star, by the way. It just kind of worked out as an acronym. It's all his story, it's all his time, it's all his assets, it's all his resources. It uh, becomes a star. We know that's clever and catchy, and that's not why we're doing it. It just honestly just kind of happened that way. But we decided that our logo would be a four-sided star that also is obviously in the shape of a cross. So we're excited about that theme for this year. This morning we talk about it's all his story. And the more I thought and prayed about it, I realized there's really three critical dimensions to living that out. And first of all, it's simply acknowledging his story. I don't know if any of you all ever watched CBS This Morning. There was a guy named Steve Hartman who used to always have a segment called Everybody Has a Story. Did anybody ever see that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? He would actually, Paul, you know, you've seen it? Okay, do you remember what he would do to interview somebody? He would take a dart and he would have a map of the United States behind him, okay, up on a bulletin board, and he would throw it back behind him. 
And then he would go to whatever the closest city was where the needle was hitting, right? And he would, he would travel to that city. And he would then start rifling through a phone book and then just do that. And whoever it was, he would call from a phone booth. When I saw it, it was, usually, it was long before uh, cell phones. And he would call from a phone booth and call that person and ask if he could do a story on him or her or his or her family. And he would go and he would always find fascinating, amazing stories among this random person or maybe not so random. And he was always amazed that they always had something amazing, you know, something that they overcame, some special gift that they have, uh, some way that they have served the community in some way. It was always one of my favorite, favorite segments. And I, I remember thinking, think about all these collective amazing stories. And I thought, you know, we all have amazing stories. But that points us really to the one who is the author of all the stories, including the story, which is his story. I mean, God from beginning and end, as Joe read, is the creator of all of our stories and ultimately the story of his redemption of all mankind. And, and, and now this could sound like, okay, it's his story. That makes me feel distant from him. No, not at all. Now, it is about this holy, majestic, mysterious, sovereign, distinct God, yes. But what is the bottom line foundational theme of that story? It is a what story? What, what, fill in the blank. I would say it is a love story. It's a love story of this distinct, holy, other than ourselves God who came among ourselves. Through his son, Jesus. That is the best of stories. So bottom line, it is a love story. So I would like to uh, invite us now to acknowledge that wonderful love story of this great creator. We're going to sing a song that I believe is printed in your bulletin called Creation Sings the Father's Song. And let's sing this in celebration of his story and our ability to be a part of it. We are to tell the wonders of creation's king. We, we, we are called to acknowledge that it's his story, but also to tell it. We're called to tell his story through our story. Uh, three times in the New Testament, Paul recounts his Damascus Road conversion experience. I know most of us are familiar with that. But three times after that happens in Acts chapter 9, he shares that story of God working through him. First of all, in Acts chapter 22, then Acts chapter 26, and then in Galatians one. Let, let's unpack those for just a second. Stephen put the first one up there. Acts twenty two fifteen through 16. This is the first biblical record we have of Paul sharing his story. Interestingly, it's among the Sanhedrin. Now, I want you to think about that. These were guys who had been his colleagues, his peers, this esteemed group of Jews. And now Paul has run off to this strange little religious cult that's threatening them called Christianity. And he shares his conversion experience with them. And he gets to the moment after the Damascus Road experience, and he's blinded by the light. And Ananias comes and visits him. And Paul's probably still wondering, why is all this happening to me? And Ananias says this to him. You will be his witness to all the people of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Focus on two things. First of all, you will be his witness and what's really cool is in just a few minutes, really the high point of this service is when we will baptize Anna Claire Pledger. We are very, very excited about that. Dad, you're excited, aren't you? Very excited. Um, and so that's going to be really the best part of it, a public profession of faith of how God has worked through Anna Claire's story, which is really cool. So that's the first time that Paul talks about uh, God working through his life, through his story in that conversion experience. Now let's go to Acts 26. And this is interesting because... 
This is Jesus talking to Paul. Paul recounts something that Jesus said to him that's not recorded earlier in the actual conversion experience. But clearly Jesus says this to him. You know, this is when he's on the ground, blinded by the light. He sees Jesus and he says, now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen and what you will see of me. Again, he's talking about you are called to be a witness. You are called to share my story through your story, verbally. Now go to the next one, Galatians 1. This is when he wrote the letter to the Galatians there, and he's recounting it himself and saying this. Go ahead, Stephen. God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Now this is right after he, he explains, I was riding on the way to Damascus with extradition papers to extradite Christians, to bring them back to Jerusalem, to persecute them, maybe even put them to death. But then it says, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. Then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus Christ. Now, we're called to share his story through our story. Can I say again, and I know you've heard me say this many a time, but we're known to be a missional church. I hate to tell you that, but we have that reputation out there. Uh, uh, I was telling somebody the other day, yeah, they're frighteningly missional, and they're, they're great about it. But when I say that, it's so great because we need to keep in mind uh, and, and I don't know if, if he's here, but, but uh, is, is uh, Can- Mr. Cannon here anywhere? Are you here? I always pick on him. Where is he? Harold, when you go and do that medical mission, I'm sorry, I always pick on you, but, but when you go do that medical mission work, there always comes a point where after you have treated them, you say something. What do you say? Do you know why I'm here? Now again, so important. Do you know why I'm here? Do you know why we are here? Do you know why we are doing this? Not to have that confessional dimension about who we are when we go out into the world is to do mere humanitarian work. Now, I'm not dogging humanitarian work. I think that's vital. But because of whom we are called to be, there comes a point when you get to the point of saying, we are here because we believe that Jesus is Lord. We believe that he offers salvation, reconciliation because of the sin in your life, and he can offer redemption to you and redeem you of your sin. And that grace just abounds, and it's there for the taking at all times. We are called to share God's story and our story. And I thought, instead of you having to listen to me the whole time this morning, first Sunday of the year, I thought I would have one of you come speak. Now, I don't know how many of y'all know Gil Franks. He, he's just cool. That's the word I would use. He's just a cool guy. And I don't know how many of y'all know uh, Gil and Vicky, but they are great people. I'm still hoping that we will hear you guys sing because I keep hearing about you all's singing. He sort of looks like a certain singer. I'm not going to mention who because, uh, and you won't, you won't figure it out. No, does that ever get old? I guess it gets, yeah, it gets very old. Okay. I'll ask your forgiveness later. Uh, but Gil is just a cool guy, has a fascinating story, and uh, we had lunch recently, and I mean, he could go on and on about certain ways that God has worked through his life, but I've asked him, first of all, in this segment, just to talk about how God came to his life and how he experienced God's grace. So Gil, thanks for doing this, especially on the first Sunday of the year, but we look forward to hearing from you. Yeah, if I had... uh... A dollar for every time somebody said, you know, you look just like, and I stop them, and I go, who? <laughs> if I had a dollar for every time I'd heard that, I'd, 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 I'd be able to fund missions all over the world. But Jim, the other day when, when we met, 
one of the things I love to do is tell stories. In fact, uh, my kids growing up, they used to start numbering them. And so this is story number and put numbers with them. So this is easy for me to do because all I'm going to do today is tell stories. And when, when I saw the program the other day, man, something just started going over in my mind. And uh, it, it's a song. And I'm going to read the words to it. And it's it just been going over and over and over and over in my head. Maybe, maybe this might be the song we sing one of these days soon. But I love to tell the story. Now, the refrain to that song says, I love to tell the story. Will be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. The second verse, I love to tell the story more wonderful it seems than all the golden fancies of all our golden dreams. I love to tell the story it did so much for me, and that is just the reason I tell it now to thee. I love to tell the story of what God did for me. And we all have that story, but, but I love to tell this story. I, I had a, a friend a long time ago that wrote a song, and the name of the song was, A Funny Thing Happened to Me on the Way to Hell, I Got Saved. I grew up in Birmingham in a, in a Christian, wonderful Christian home. I had a father who, as far as I was concerned, he was uh, the uh, earthly example of a heavenly father. He loved me in spite of me. He loved me in spite of what I did. He loved me in spite of what I said and in spite of how I looked. And I had a mother who, thank God, she spent her... I'd, I'd come home late at night, and I'm talking about late, late, late at night during some of the, my wild days, and she would be laying there asleep on the sofa with her Bible where she'd been praying for me. But I grew up in a, in a wonderful family, but I had an opportunity at a young age to start playing the guitar. And at, at the age of 15, I got to go play in my first nightclub downtown Birmingham till 4 o'clock in the morning. And when I walked out that morning, I thought, man, what, how wonderful is this? It was dark. And it was 4 o'clock in the morning, and I'd just been playing all night in this nightclub. And, and, and I didn't sense how horrible that was at the time because I was so excited and so for the next several years I continued to to play in in clubs and even in high school I mean in my senior year in high school I would come in sometimes at two or three on Sunday nights and get ready to go to school the next day I went to Samford in in 1972 and and made it through all of four months I had a average of my, my high class at that time, I had a 65 average in PE. <laughs> Not even going to talk about the accounting courses and the English and history. And so I went to, to my dad. I said, there's no sense in me continuing to do this. I've got this opportunity to head off into the wild blue yonder with these, this band and we're going to go up northeast for the next six to eight months and play in nightclubs in Pennsylvania and New Jersey and Virginia Beach. And so the following spring, I took off for fame and glory. And you know what? There was something that there was a price to pay because the lifestyle that came with that started uh, getting me pretty messed up. I had gotten involved in, 
in what was recreational, but it also became a habit where I couldn't get away, I couldn't get up in the morning without taking these pills, and I couldn't go to bed at night without taking these pills, and I couldn't get through the day without smoking this or drinking this. or And six years down the road in 1976, from the time I'd started playing in some of these bands, I was totally out of control. And I had been arrested a couple of times for possession of things that they don't allow you to have. I had run that lifestyle where you think, I'm in control. But when you sit down and get quiet at night, you realize, I have no control. And thank God for Jesus. Because on the night of August 12, 1976, I had some old wild friends that had gotten saved and listen I'd been in church I played guitar in the in the youth choir at, at Ruhema Baptist Church when I got baptized over there and I went on all the choir trips but I was lost as a ball in the rough but that night somebody a friend of mine I'd gone to high school with they we were at a bachelor's party and they came to me and they said Gil there's more to Jesus than we looked at it at church. I said, I don't want to hear anything about that. I don't want to hear that. Because Christians are hypocrites and God doesn't care about me. And they said, but he does. And something happened to me that night. Because the story I'd been telling up to that point was all about my wild running around and what I had done the night before and how much of this I had done. And... We got ready to leave that bachelor's party at about 1 o'clock that night, and we're sitting in a car, and I'm telling one of my wild stories. And all of a sudden, for some reason, that wild story wasn't fun. felt like somebody had dropped a big dump truck load of mud on my head. And I looked to my friend that was with me, and I said, Jim, i got to pray. I don't know what to do, but I don't feel right. i got to pray. i got to get this off of me. And we got out of the car that night knelt down in that front yard and he prayed with me and nothing nothing changed I don't even remember what he said and I said just 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 don't worry about this I said I'm going to go over here and pray and I went over and I leaned on the back of his car and I said God I don't know what it takes but I want you to be first in my life and whatever I need to do I want to do that and it, it, it wasn't an audible voice. It wasn't like heaven opened up. But I heard somewhere in here, I heard, give up your guitar. And I pictured the, the guitar that I had at the time that I still have. And I pictured that and I said, it's yours, but I don't understand that because that's not my problem. My problem's the the pills and the, the, everything that goes with that and the, and the marijuana and all that other stuff. And he said, you ask me how I can become first in your life. He said, whatever is first in your life has to be given up for me to take its place. And that's what's first in your life. And if you'll give up that, I'll help you overcome the rest of it. And I said, Lord, if I never play my guitar again, I want to serve you. And you know when you make a real decision, you know it. 
You know, sometimes we con God, but that night I meant it. And at that moment, something happened in me. Something happened that never happened before. And later on, I, I, I realized there was a verse in the Bible that talked about it. 2 Corinthians 5.17 said, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things pass away, and all things in us become new. And I felt all that lift off of me. Now, now here's, here's the way God worked in my life. All of the drugs... I smoked about three packs of cigarettes a day. I mean, I, I couldn't get away without reaching in my pocket. All of that was gone that night. All of the addictions, all of the lifestyle, and I became a new creation. I became someone that was clean, and I didn't know how it had happened. All I knew is that God loved me enough to do that for me. And I literally took off down the street running at 2 o'clock in the morning in Homewood shouting. I wasn't, nobody told me about doing this kind of, I just felt free for the first time in my life. But something else happened to me that night. I wanted to serve God. I wanted to tell others that story about what God had done for me. In other words, the second part of that scripture that comes after chapter set, verse 17 is verse 18. It says that God has now given us a ministry of reconciliation. Isn't that a good word from Gil? Um, Great story. Uh, I hate to tell you, it's not the last time I'm going to have he's got. He's full of great stories, and that was just the tip of the iceberg. In fact, we'll hear from him in just a moment, but let's get to the third point of all of this. We've talked about the importance of acknowledging his story. We've talked about telling his story, but we've got to live out his story through our own lives as well. Now, I know you know that, but that's easier said than done. At the actual conversion account of Paul at Damascus or on the way to Damascus. In Acts chapter 9, uh, what does Jesus specifically say to him? Go ahead and put that up there, Stephen. Acts 9, 15. Now, Paul doesn't know what to do. What do you want me to do, Lord? He asks, and this is what Jesus says. Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. Later on, he says the same thing to Ananias. Ananias isn't sure Keep it up there for a second. Ananias isn't sure if he should go help Paul. He's very hesitant about it. Why? Because he knows about the way Paul had been. He had been persecuting the Jews. Excuse me, persecuting the Christians, I should say. He had been a Jew persecuting the Christians. Ananias is like, God, I don't want to go and talk to him. I don't want to go and serve him. And again, God says to Ananias, go. He's a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the sons of Israel. Basically, if you look at that, that's everybody. He is to bear witness to everybody. The key word there is bear. Uh, it means to carry out. It means to flesh out. The Greek word there means not just to speak it, but to do it. Not just share the gospel with your lips, but with your actions, with your service. That's really what it's talking about. And didn't Paul do that in incredible fashion? I can't think of anybody who did it more Uh, abundantly and more effectively than Paul. In fact, I think about our emphasis this year. Uh, It's all his story. It's all his time. 
It's all his assets, and it's all his resources. Who lived that out better than Paul? Who used uh, his own story better than Paul as far as sharing the gospel? Who took more time to share the gospel than Paul? Who used his spiritual gifts, his assets, better than Paul? Who used all of his resources, I mean all of his resources, for the sake of sharing the gospel? And again, here's somebody who didn't just write epistles and preach and teach. He lived it out, and he served, and he sacrificed. That being said, I've asked Gil to come back up here because Gil has been involved in some really cool, I told you he was cool, he's involved in some really cool ministries as well uh, that he's been a part of along the way, and I just rejoice when I'm around him and celebrate how he fleshes it out, carries out the gospel, not just with his words, but with his many, many actions. So Gil, come on up. 2 Corinthians 5.18, at Ministry of Reconciliation. That, that got in me because I had a new story to tell people. And all I could see myself doing at that time was going to find those people that had never heard and tell them about Jesus. The, the next verse in the song, I Love to Tell the Story... Is I love to tell the story, tis pleasant to repeat what seems each time I tell it more wonderfully sweet. I love to tell the story for some have never heard the message of salvation from God's own holy word. There are people (laughs) that have never had a chance because they've never heard. I went back to Samford. Finished school there, and all the time I was wanting to go find those people that had not heard about Jesus. And I started going to the streets downtown, Birmingham. Uh, we'd, we'd go down on Friday nights at 11 o'clock, and we'd walk the streets till 4 in the morning in the parks downtown, finding people that nobody else wanted to go find. And we saw God move time and time again. I saw a man in front of the bus station completely change. His whole countenance changed when he received Jesus. But I started thinking that there are people around this world that need to hear about Jesus. And, and I could, like, like, like he was saying, I could tell story after story after story. Because when God's story becomes your story... You get a confidence about telling people, here's what Jesus can do for you. I know it because he did it for me. It's not about somebody else. It's personal. Because Jesus changed me, he can change you. If Jesus could love me, he can love you. Years ago, uh, I, I spent a lot of time going over to Thailand and we would go over and do Bible schools. We would go into the northern tribal areas of, of Thailand and, and, and find the, the pastors in the small churches and get, gather them together and do, do, do schools for them. We went into Burma a few times and did some things in some of the Bible schools there, which was a, a, an incredible and overwhelming experience. But, but one, one night, we had an opportunity to go into a Lahu northern tribal village to a group that no one had ever gone and preached the gospel to. And, you know, your mind starts thinking, what's going to happen? 
You know, what do you say? And we went in and got permission from the tribal chief to go in to this area and to go into his village. And we got together in a house that night of about 30 people. The house probably needed to have five people in it. We had about 30 packed into it. And we began to tell a story to this group that God loves them and God has gifts for them. And at the end of that night, we asked these people who would like to receive Jesus. And, and I'm sitting here going, these people have never heard. How, how are they going to know what to do? Well, we're not talking about our story. We're talking about God's story. And there was one man there that night. He said, I want, of course, we're going through these two interpreters because one speaks Thai and one speaks the tribal language. And he says, I want Jesus. I want what's the gift you're talking about. And he prayed. Well, then the thought goes, what happened to him? Did he really change? Well, we're getting ready to leave, and all of a sudden this man starts beating his chest. And I, I asked the interpreter, I said, what was he doing? What's going on here? Is he mad? And so the interpreter asked him, said, what? 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 what is, what's going on? And he said, Jesus lives in me. I'm different. I have changed. Jesus lives in me. And he said, I own property down by the water where everybody goes to get their water. He said, I want to give that property to you people so that someone can build a church there and tell everybody about the Jesus that I just met. My goodness. We go tell his story, he does the rest. I have spent a lot of time ministering in prisons around the state, in Peru, and had the opportunity to go minister to prisons in Romania. And everywhere we went, and every time I've gone to tell that story, someone has said, I want to receive Jesus. I remember a man at Bibb County down here in Montgomery, and we were in a service, excuse me, Kilby Prison. We were in a service one night. And this guy was standing there with arms. He looked like one of these professional wrestlers. And he had a bald head. He had tattoos down his arm, up his neck. And he had a patch over one eye. And he was about this big around, about my height. And during the service, he was sitting right on the front row, right about there. And every time I'd walk by, he just... And he had a look on his face. I, I, I started preaching to this side. <laughs> At the end of the night, we gave an altar call. And we asked everybody that wanted to receive Jesus to come stand in front. And I'd walk down and talk to each one of them to make sure that they understood what this was about. And I started on this end of the row. And that man, by the time I got to the end, had stood up and walked and was standing at the end of that row. And when I got to the end of the row, I looked at him face to face, and I thought, I don't know what he's getting ready to say. I don't know if he's getting ready to grab me, because he still had this look on his face. And all of a sudden, he reached out and grabbed me, and he took me, and he squeezed me, and he laid his head on my shoulder, and he said, thank you 
for coming tonight to tell me about Jesus. I need him. And he looked up, and that one eye had a tear coming down it. It's his story that we have been called to go tell. I could tell a story like that over and over and over and over. When God gives you the opportunity, share the story. And I'm going to tell one more story. And I'm, in 1940s, my dad was, uh, when we went to war, he was the kind of guy who wanted to go over to Europe and fight. He wanted to get in the middle of the action. But, but they gave him a different classification. And they asked him to stay back and run a factory here in Birmingham to cut carbon plates to send off to, for the war effort. Well, my dad, during that time, thought, I have no purpose. Everybody's over there fighting. I don't feel like I'm part of the war effort. I don't feel like I have any purpose in my life. I'm, I've got a bunch of guys that were not fit to go fight coming to work every day, and we're getting together cutting little boxes of carbon and shipping them off. I don't even know what I'm doing. And he told me that during the war, he said, I, I just didn't want to get out on the streets because I was a healthy young man able to fight, and I wasn't out fighting. I was still walking around when everybody else's husband and wife, um, husband and, and children had gone to fight. He said, so we went through the war, and he said, we kept cutting these little carbon plates, and they'd come, and inspectors would check them, and they'd tell us we'd done good, but they wouldn't tell us what we were doing. And he said, I didn't feel like I was contributing. And he said, in uh, August of 1945, they dropped the first atomic bomb. And then a couple of weeks at Nagasaki, and a few weeks later, they dropped the second one at Hiroshima. And he said the, the factory they were working in, they sent a letter to. And it was from the Oak Ridge Project. And they said, we wanted to let you know that the project that you've been working on for the past several years was what developed these two bombs that ended the war. He was cutting the carbon plates that they used to capture the atom particles when they split them that they made the bomb from. And it's funny. <laughs> I've always tell this story because the government, President Roosevelt, knew the big picture of how important everybody's part was in what they did for the war effort. God knows the big picture for each one of us. He knows how important your story is for his effort. You may think your story is, is, is not important. You may think your story really doesn't mean that much. But your story may be the only one that can change somebody's life. Because God put it in you. God equipped you with it. And God called you to tell it. Good job. Let's pray together. We thank you so much for this one, O oh God, who professes her witness for you, just as Paul did time and time again in the New Testament, and just as we are called to do. No doubt we could not reach the level of Paul, the apostle, in terms of how he 
not only shared your story, but lived out your story in his very life. But we are nevertheless appointed to do that, O God, just as he was. Thank you so much for Gil's words today. Really, not just the story of his own being reconciled to you, but his own ministries of reconciliation that he does so, so marvelously. We ask that we ourselves would commit ourselves at the beginning of this year to recognizing your story in our own, but not just acknowledging it, sharing it. With our actions, yes, but not being afraid to confess it as well. We thank you for Anna Claire having come this morning to confess it before all of us in such a beautiful way. We pray for her. We pray that we will be her church family the way you want us to be family to her. We pray for John and Mary Ann that they would continue to discern how to bring her up and all the other kids up in the nurture and discipline under your name. We thank you so much for how they're a living embodiment of what incredible grace we have to be adopted by you. Not just in this life and in this reality, but in the reality to come where one day we will all sing your praises. We thank you for your many graces that you have shared this day, O God, and especially for our opportunity to be a small part of your amazing story. We pray these things in your name. Amen.